0: Welcome to the show. How you tell the story of your life makes the difference in whether you're happy or not. Right? I could tell the story of my life like this. When I was in high school, my first love abused me, hit me, used to honestly beat me up, and therefore I never can love again. And then I married my college sweetheart and we had a really rocky marriage and see, I'm just a failure. I can't have relationships. And then later in life, someone pulled a gun on me and, you know, I'm just always the victim. Bad things always happen to me. So I can tell the story of my life like that and basically make myself feel horrible and like a loser, like I'm the victim or I could tell the story of my life as the creator, as the heroine, right? That, yeah, I was abused by my first love. And because of that, I learned how strong and courageous I am. And yes, I got divorced when I was really young at 26 because I learned to take a stand for not just good, but great in my life. And I will not settle for anything less than great. And yes, I was robbed at gunpoint when i was about 34 and because of that i pursued this great purpose right so which story is more compelling they are both the same facts but how we tell the story of our lives matter it makes you feel more powerful because all of those situations made me who i am and able to do everything that i do and so storytelling matters it not only matters to your own well-being It also matters to your success. Think about it. You walk into a job interview and how you tell your story is what the potential employer is going to remember more than the degree you got or more than any sort of statistic of how you did in a past life. Rather, it's the stories that you tell of how you overcame challenges, of how you dealt with stress in the office, of how you brought a team to win. It's also the stuff of a great first date, right? The ability to tell your story, it is really the foundation of so much of our happiness and so much of our success. And our guest today is an expert in storytelling. I am so excited to welcome Valerie Gordon to the Purpose Girl podcast. She not only, let's you hear this, she not only was a longtime television producer who put hundreds of stories on air over 20 years, winning multiple, multiple Emmys, right? She worked for HBO, CBS, and ESPN. But she also now uses what she learned to teach women to tell their stories. When she had that 20-year television producer life that seemed so glamorous, right? The cool job, the family, she also felt so overworked and so unhappy. And so the story she kept telling herself was that she wasn't working hard enough, right? So she was failing both at the office and home. And she used her bad case of burnout, to change her story. And she left the corporate world in order to launch an amazing, amazing, amazing blog and business called Commander in She. And of course, in the show notes, we give you all of that information. Now, Valerie uses her background in storytelling to help women find the power in their stories. And the idea of this is so that we all have greater success and satisfaction. She has this incredible introductory workshop called What's Your Story? storytelling secrets for success. And it allows participants to consider the components of their personal stories, right? The characters, the plot, the narrative, and emerge with that sense of authorship, with that sense of being the hero or heroine of your own story, just like I was talking about in the beginning. So I'm super excited to welcome Valerie to the Purpose Girl podcast. We're going to learn so much from her. I cannot wait because I'm going to learn so much. Welcome, Valerie.
1: Thank you, Karen. And thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be with you.
0: Yeah, it's so fun because we had a conversation a few months ago for your blog, and now we get to kind of switch places and have you here on the Purpose Girl podcast. And I
1: love the stories that you share on the podcast, and I love how open you've been about your own story as well because, you know, the best stories really are authentic and relatable. And when you tell your stories, you dive deep and they're very authentic and people, even if they haven't experienced precisely what you've gone through in your story, they can see bits of themselves in the story that you tell. And that's what makes it relatable. Your message, your own personal story resonates with other people, um, especially because of how you tell it. So thank you for that.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you for that. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. It's so interesting. When I first started off doing this work, a friend of mine was helping me figure out how I would go out and like, what my speeches would be and how I would go out and tell people that I was a speaker. And she said to me, what what makes you special? And I said, I have my master's degree from an Ivy League university in the science of happiness. And she was like, no. And I said, no, no, I have my master's degree. And she said, no, what else makes you special? And I just kept repeating it until honestly, I started crying. And she said to me, What makes you special is your stories. What makes you special is all that you've been through, because that's what makes all of us special and that's what makes you compelling. And I said to her at first, I can't tell those stories. Like I will die. And I've learned that, thank you, that the more I am vulnerable and authentic and raw, the more it does help other people and helps me be connected to other people. So thank you for noticing that, I truly appreciate it.
1: Well, stories are a great connectors. I mean, when you think about it, we've been telling them since the earliest of times and our right. stories are also what we pass down at the end of our lives. That's what people remember about us. What I want people to, to know more than anything though is that while your stories do define you, you know, the stories we tell other people impact the way they see us and the mm-hmm. opportunities we'll get. Just like the stories we tell ourselves, that influences our course of action, whether you, whether you raise your hand at the meeting or, or take the chance, have the courage to try something new. But at the same time, what makes you most memorable is when you share those stories. You know, stories can entertain us. They can inform us. They can educate us. But they are among our most important connection tools. You mentioned at the top of the show. If you go on a job interview, it's what the stories you tell will help you stand out. Just like it's become such a big buzzword in business today. What is storytelling? How do we use stories, you know, to influence the consumer? It's because people want to go beyond the stats. They want to understand the story because that's what helps us emotionally connect. And at the same time, when you talk about personal storytelling, I really like to focus on not just how we encapsulate our backstory, how we speak of ourselves so we can get that job opportunity or make a good impression on that first date, but also this idea that we are living these ongoing stories. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's our
1: past choices, obviously, that have created our present reality. So it makes sense then that our present choices, the things we do in our current story, that will influence our future story. Nothing is pre-written, nothing is ordained, nothing is destined, that's what I believe. I believe you can make small changes in your present story that will influence your future and create what I would call a next chapter one that has more of of what you want and less of of what you don't. And oftentimes the key to determining that is to really look at your present story and where you are and what's bringing you joy and what's not, what's working for you, what's not. And that's why when you and I first connected and I wrote a little bit about your story on my Commander in She blog, I was so um, interested in your story over the years. You had this successful career That you knew from nearly day one, because of the beige walls of your cubicle, (laughs) detail alone, that it wasn't right for you. And yet, because you believed that that was how the story was supposed to go, that's what you should be doing, you Mm -hmm. stayed with it. And it took a number of challenges and even some traumatic experiences for you to finally say, hey, this is not the right story for me to be in. And then it took those positive actions, those changes you made and the courage to be able to change that story. And when you look back, as you think about it, if you hadn't gone through those experiences or done any of those things, you wouldn't have gotten to the point where you could launch Purpose Girl and now help so many other people with their purpose. So if I could start by asking you in your story, what was the pivot point that really made you realize it is time for a totally new chapter. And I know it's hard to identify just one. Normally it's oh, that's a secret. All right. But you know, for you, when did you say, you know what, this is this is not how the story was supposed to go? And this is not how the story is going to end.
0: Wow. Look at what she just did so brilliantly, right? So she coaches women on taking ownership and power of their story. And rather than me interviewing her, she just put it on <laughs> me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So what was the pivot point of my story? There were a couple. The major one was when I was robbed at gunpoint. I mean, that was the pivot because I had been on this career trajectory from day one. You nailed it. I, when I gave you that detail for your blog, that the first day out of college, when I showed up in my cute little outfit for my very first day of work and I walked in and they put me in beige walled cubicle, like a beige walled cubicle. I'm like, I, you know, wanting to hyperventilate in there because this is not me. It's not where I belong. And I remember coming home that first day and saying to my then fiance and my parents, like, this is not for me, but because I didn't know what was. And then, of course, the whole story of figuring it out and a divorce and volunteering and a whole bunch of stuff. But I still, you know, I, I was so afraid. I was so afraid to leave the comfortable salary, to leave the known health care, to leave the status of my career and so afraid that I would fall on my face that I'd become a you know a reject that nobody would like me, that for me, it took being robbed at gunpoint to pivot. You know, it's kind of cliche or you might read it in a magazine or a book. If there were a gun pointed at your head, what would you regret never having done? And for me, it's not a hypothetical. It was real life. And so it was when someone robbed me at gunpoint. If you haven't heard that story, go back to episode one of the Purpose Girl podcast. And I'm in the vestibule of my condominium building. My hands are over my head. I'm screaming, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I look up and now the gun is pointed at my left temple and I thought it was the end of my life. And I said, okay, God, it's been a good life. Thank you. And that's when some other voice came over me and said, oh no. You were put on this earth for purpose and women need you. And so I made a promise. I said, if I live, I promise to pursue that purpose. And I lived. So there was no turning back at that point because I had made that promise to myself and to, for me, God, higher power. And beyond that, I now knew what it was to almost die with a dream in my heart. And I was not going to let that happen ever again.
1: Wow! And that's what I call a goosebump story, where you know Whoa. you tell it and just the the hair on my arms is standing up. But well, you know what I want most people to know is um, not everyone. Thankfully, not everyone has that type of traumatic experience. Nor right. um, should you need to to be able to find what I would called you know, your true story, living your true story. But I think it's so interesting to me that you, um, you're so successful and you're so knowledgeable about yourself and what's important to you. I think sharing that struggle of all those years working in a role that you kind of knew wasn't working for you. Mm-hmm. And yet you couldn't extract yourself from that. You couldn't see what the future story or the next chapter might hold. And I think for a lot of people who feel stuck um, who just don't really, they know that everything, maybe it's fine. You know, you're pulled in so many different directions. It's kind of fine. And you sort of wait for something to happen. And it shouldn't take such a traumatic or life altering experience for us to take ownership of what our future story will be. Exactly.
0: Um, I don't, I, I tell my story so other people don't have to get there. Exactly. Like, I don't, you know, I, I believe that when we have the nudge to do something, right? The idea, and it starts off as an idea. And then we say, Oh, no, 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 that's not possible. And we put it away. And then it kind of comes down to us as like a pebble hitting us in the face. And then, Oh, that was annoying. And it won't. And then it comes as a big rock. And then it comes as a boulder. Like it's, it doesn't go away when you have an inner knowing. And I've heard people tell great pivot stories when one of my dear friends and colleagues, her pivot story was that she was leaving work one day and her She was eating her ham sandwich that she had not gotten to eat at lunch because she wasn't taking lunch in her corporate job. She was walking and her heel, right? Her her heel, her right heel got stuck in a grate. And then she literally was stuck because she couldn't move. And that was her awakening, right? It wasn't this gunpoint. It wasn't something, you know, traumatic. It was scarfing down a ham sandwich, (laughs) because she didn't get to eat lunch and literally her heel gets stuck. And she said, what am I doing? I love that story.
1: I love exactly. that. And the reason I love that story. So we ta- I mentioned that, you know, the best stories are authentic and relatable. And they also rely on um, to tell a great story. It's the little details that make mm-hmm. the difference. So carrying the ham sandwich and getting your heel stuck in a grate is a terrific story. It's also, yes, a metaphor for the greater part of her life that she knew wasn't working for her. And I think you and I, the reason I feel this this um, connection with you, I imagine many people feel the same way. But um, you and I traveled some similar, uh, they're different circumstances, but similar in theme. I had for many years, um, a terrific career. I had everything that I set out to achieve. I wanted to work in television. I wanted to uh, get married and have a family. And, and I did all of that. And for many years, um, I liked it. But then I got to a point where it just didn't feel right to me, partially because of, of the nature of the work and the challenges and the idea of overwork. And rather than acknowledging that it wasn't working for me, because for so long, this was my identity. This is what I did. Instead, I just stubbornly tried to make it work. I kept working harder. I kept working more. I kept blaming myself when things weren't going right all the while, not realizing that I had become um, pretty miserable, not only to my, to myself, to my existence, but to the people that I, I cared about the most. And it was um, a, really a, a case of burnout, which is a very bad and scary place to be, that really forced me to look at, you know, this might have been great for the last chapter of my life, but it's done now. And mm. now it's time to have that pivot and move on, even though I was petrified Because I thought, but if I'm not a TV producer slash busy, working, harried mom who's always racing around, well then, who am I? And that's what led to Commander She.
0: Thank you for sharing your story, Valerie. I want everyone to hear, you were a 10-time Emmy winner. And for a lot of us out there, myself included, that sounds like the glitz, the glamour, the perfect job. And here you were feeling burnt out. And here you were trying to force it and make life work. And of course, then you have the fear because the identity, the story that you told yourself was, I am only this, right? Or I am primarily, my identity is based in being a television producer. And I know that I can identify with that, even though I wasn't a television producer, I can identify with that. When I was in my first marriage and the identity, the story I told myself is I am a married woman. I am a wife. And who am I without that? And then the same when I was in my corporate world, right? I am a marketing executive. I am a vice president. And it is true, but I was placing so much emphasis in telling the story that that's all I was. As opposed to who I really was underneath and what I was really here for. So here you were, you had this glamor job and yet you were feeling so burnt out. And so the pivot for you to, to shift, was there a moment or it was just an overall knowing?
1: It took me a long time. Like I said, I was very, I was sort of stubbornly fighting against it, but it grew and grew. You mentioned the idea that it starts with a pebble and then a rock. Mm-hmm. Well, it was almost as if, and I don't really necessarily believe in stuff like this, but it was almost as if bad things started happening and mm-hmm. I was ignoring them. So, little things like a minor health problem, or I'd forget something that was important to my family because I was so busy, or I would snip at a coworker because I was anxious. And then things started to tumble from there where it was almost like, <laughs> the universe was trying to prompt me like hey you're not supposed to be here anymore but you don't get it so we're going to keep throwing more crap at you until it gets so bad that you are miserable and you really have to face it's time to move on now i think for most people when you hear pivot or you know a plot twist you think about making a complete 180 And some people have done that, right? They've left careers. They've left relationships. They've moved across country, started a business, dropped a business. But I'm a big believer in to change your story, you don't need to completely reinvent yourself and that your past story was not a waste. Wherever you've come from, whether there's been a marriage that didn't work or a job line that didn't work, whatever it is, that's all led up to your present circumstances where you are. And there are clues in your past story. So what I really had to do was rather than feeling like, gosh, I spent 20 years doing this and for what, was to say, I spent 20 years doing this, many of which were enjoyable. It no longer is, what can I take from what I've done that I want to use Mm -hmm. in the next chapter? And that's when I realized that I love telling stories and putting stories on the air. But what I love more than anything was understanding the power and the impact of a story and how that influences us personally. And I came to realize that over the course of my job, I spent a number of time, um, a number of times mentoring other women. I even ran a women's organization for one of the companies that I worked for. And as a result of that, a number of women would come and talk to me about a challenge they were having at work. And while many people would say, well, it sounded like a complaint, right? Like, so they would tell a story about, I don't know, they had a boss that never gave any feedback or some guy at a meeting swiped their idea. I realized that They weren't complaining. They were actually telling me a story. and They weren't just telling me one story. They were actually telling me three. So this is how I I break this down. Oh, I love this. The first is the story they're telling me about the the boss or the guy or whatever it is that in most cases hadn't gone well. We don't often share success stories. God forbid we sound like we're bragging. So we share stories about things that have gone wrong. So the first is that story. What's gone wrong? The second story that they didn't even realize it was their own personal take on that story, mm. why they believed it happened. And that's our narrative influence, right? That's right. that sort so of voiceover.
0: Right. So this is the meaning that they're making of it.
1: Exactly. And then the third story to me is the most fascinating. And that's what happens next. So now mm. we know what happened. We know how we feel about what happened or why we believe it happened, our own bias that we put on our on our stories, what are we going to do with that information? Because mm. what I find from most people is they're so afraid of making the wrong choice that they make no choice at all. They yes. wait for something to happen in their story. So they'll wait. Maybe they'll, something will come up or it'll get better. And then they f- you ever feel like you're reading the same chapter over and over again? Like, didn't I just do this last year and had the same conversation with the same people? Well, that's because you're not taking active authorship of your story. So what I do in the workshops I teach and some of the individual coaching I do is to get people thinking about, you mentioned it, the inner heroine. You are the central character of your story. The plot points you create that and the narrative you have around that, why you believe things are the way they are, those three components together, character, plot, and narrative point of view, those are going to make up your story. And you can choose to do nothing and stay where you are and see what happens. But that's kind of like letting someone else author your story. Or you can choose to make changes.
0: Right. And what's so interesting, the the research, the positive psychology research backs this up, Valerie, where the research has found that it is the way that we choose to interpret the details of the stories and the facts of our lives, which create meaning. So do we choose to tell the story of our life as I talked about at the beginning of the show? Do we choose to tell the story that I'm the victim and something is wrong with me and bad things always happen to me, which is only going to make me unhappy? Or do you choose to tell the story and the facts of your life with a different meaning, right? A different interpretation that everything has happened for you. And what's fascinating, research shows that telling your story from a redemptive perspective right that there is this like you said there's the here's what happened the facts of the story and then you said the meaning but then the third aspect and here's what i'm gaining from it here's what i'm learning from it here's what i'm going to do about it this is what we call a redemptive narrative it's like personal redemption and that that ability to tell your story from a redemptive perspective makes us more resilient Makes us more optimistic, leads to greater overall health. And it's incredible because we are telling, whether you're aware of it or not, you're telling a story about your life, right? We all have a story, a central story, and stories of our lives. And for some women I talk to, the central story is that they're always alone or that bad things always happen or that they're not good enough, right? There's kind of like these central stories. And what's interesting, the research shows that. You know, our brains, we store memories in story because that's easier than a whole bunch of facts. And by age one, we recognize the character in our story. And age two, it's like a me, me, me. That's why you always hear two year olds say that. And by three, four, five, we can translate stories and understand the motivation. And we know is this a good story or a bad story? And that's why by early adolescence, Most people have this kind of central theme of I'm not good enough or I'm too fat or whatever it might be, this central story. But the more we carry that story around, the more we're just taking ourselves down and this opportunity to retell a story. I mean, what do you see, Valerie, in terms of people shifting their stories to the redemptive in terms of their ability to have success, right? What do you notice in your clients when they shift their story?
1: Well, first of all, you are entirely spot on. And I would share with you that the number one theme, when you think about every story has a theme, the number Mm -hmm. one theme of all these stories that I've put on the air over the course of my career, if I had to boil it down to one theme is this, it's triumph over adversity,
0: Mm -hmm. You think about
1: all the stories that you see on TV, that's, that's really the the thematic there. And so you can put that to your own life as well. Everybody has adversity, you know, uh, problems in their lives, things that go wrong. And so to triumph over them, that's a very common story theme. And something else you mentioned as well. I talk a lot about, you You know, you're not the only character in your story. You have this whole cast of supporting characters <laughs> and some of them are supporting characters. And some of them I, I call the, you know, who's your evil villain in your story. Mm-hmm. I do a whole workshop on thwarting mm-hmm. the evil mm-hmm. villain, fun. which is a lot of fun. Um, but also consider that that evil villain might be the one that lives in your head and that your narrator is by far mm-hmm. the greatest influencer in your story. If you believe that this is the way things are, because that's how they've been and that's the only way they will be well yes then you are writing your story along those lines if you believe that well these things have happened to me but every day is a new opportunity to write a new page and edit out the things that are no longer working for me and what i encourage people to do is to really get a vision of what that looks like so in my workshops we do a number of exercises that are based on goal setting and planning for that next next chapter getting to learn what's important to you and i could certainly talk you through one of one or two of those today but Let's also yeah and also to realize you don't have to ditch everything you've done to this point and completely um, do a plot twist that's the complete opposite of what you've done. Our success and our happiness is based off of what some people would consider these micro actions, small things that we can do that change our story a little bit. It's like that really old um, Gwyneth Paltrow movie, sliding doors or something like oh, that man, I, I, where, you right. know if you make one choice something happens and if you make another choice uh, something else will happen and and we're not always in control of that but when you think about the small things that you can do um, to add happiness to your life let's say and why not do them and just stay curious about what happens? So for me, and this sounds really silly, but in, in the um, really the bottom of my burnout, when I just, I couldn't come up with a creative thought. I had no idea how to get myself out of this dilemma. How could I leave this job with the salary and you know things that I felt that I, I needed and deserved at that point and launch something entirely new. And I was so overwhelmed by the prospect that I just wrote down, what are three things I would like to do in the next month simply because they make me happy? And the mm. first was write. I, I felt at that point that if I didn't start getting out some of the thoughts and feelings I had, that if I Tripped on the sidewalk, all of these nouns and verbs and adjectives would come flying out of me. So, I started my blog with not even knowing if anyone would read it or what the purpose would be, simply because I wanted to write because it made me happy. Mm. The second thing I did was I went to the movies. And I know, mm. that's, I know that sounds silly. Well, why? What, what, that was what that I realized <laughs> that the, when I went to the movies, which was not very often. But I'd had foot surgery. And so a friend picked me up and went to the movies because I couldn't really do anything else. And I realized that one of the reasons I like going to the movies so much is it's the only time in my life when I am not multitasking. Mm. Even when I watch TV, maybe I'm also cooking or I'm on the phone or I'm answering emails. And in the movies, you can't do that. And that was a sign to me not so much of, hey, I need to see more movies, which by the way, I do because I enjoy it. But the idea of this multitasking um, daily life that I had grown so accustomed to was part of the problem. And I don't know if I would have made that connection had I not gone to the movies. And the third thing I decided to do was to eat really good high quality chocolate once in a while, which I know again, like what, how does this change your story? Well, I don't know that it really does, Karen, but it makes me happier. And if I'm a little happier by doing these simple things, by writing on my blog just because I want to, which has thankfully, I'm on my 85th blog post in the last oh year and a half. God. And sometimes people read it and sometimes they don't, but it brings me great joy. And um, I hope in some ways I'm helping other people with that. I see a couple of movies, you know, maybe a movie a month if I'm lucky, and I eat some chocolate, and you know what? It hasn't changed my story anymore that I'm a slightly happier person because of those things. And then we see, well, what's the impact of that? And then onto those three things, what more can I add to my daily story that's going to make me feel complete? So we started with that. We started with the the chocolate and the movies and the writing.
0: I love this. I love this. So those small things are not so small, right? I want to really hone in. Number one, you did something you loved, not for reward, not for appreciation, not for accolades. You weren't worried about, are a thousand people going to like my blog and follow it and send it off to a book publisher? You were doing it because you loved it. And one of the things I know I stopped myself for a long time, and I see other people stop themselves from doing something that makes them happy is because we're attaching an outcome to it. And so just getting your creative flow out and allowing it absolutely changes the story. And then you add to that two other things that made you happy. This is no small feat because one of the stories I hear from women over and over again is that I don't have time for the things that make me happy. Even deep down, I feel like it's indulgent. Like, who am I to take time for a movie? Am I really worth that extra time? And so I think doing those few things to change the story of your own happiness is huge because we know from the research as you're happier, so will everybody else be around you. And so how do you recommend that people use storytelling to create their success and their life satisfaction? Well, there's any number
1: of ways we can do that. And first of all, thank you for pointing out and all your work in helping women understand that they are deserving of happiness mm-hmm. and i would throw another word in there too um i'm doing an upcoming seminar about storytelling for negotiation and it's the use of the word more that it's mm-hmm. really okay to want more it doesn't even have to mean that you're unhappy with what you have, and yet you can give yourself permission to want more. So how, how do we do that? How do we do what I call take command of your story? That's why I named my company Commander and She. The idea of it. taking command and you are the one actively authoring the story. So it depends whether we're talking about our past story and how we might speak of ourselves if we're going on that job interview or if we're going on a date. It's also about how we use our present story and all of the conflicts and potential plot twists and other characters that might be tripping us up in our present story. But for our Mm. purposes now, let's focus on this idea of creating this future story. How do I get unstuck? And what I find most people struggle with is either it's one of two things. Either they don't know what they want or they know what they want, but they don't think they're going to get it. So what's the point of even trying? Or as you pointed out, they don't think they deserve it. Why should I even get to go to a movie? Who am I? So mm-hmm. in my workshops, I do a number of exercises. And what I do is I pull from a variety of types of storytelling for techniques that, that storytellers use. And I help attendees apply them to their own lives. So for a real simple exercise, we'll, I'll pull from basic journalism. You might remember this from sixth grade, the, the five W questions, mm. who, what, when, where, why, and then they always threw in the H after the how, that pesky H question. <laughs> so these are great questions to ask, and I use them in nearly every workshop that I do in slightly different ways because they're the mm-hmm. foundation of curiosity, So if I'm using this as, let's say, a goal-setting exercise, I would ask individuals to consider in their own personal story, as we approach the blank page of the next chapter, to ask themselves these questions. The who is, who do I want to be? Wow. Wow. And that can mean so many things, right? We can talk about ourselves professionally, personally, in general terms. I would like to be a happier person or, you know, it can really mean anything. It's
0: open-ended. I want to be dynamic. I want to feel free. I want to be a woman who takes care of herself. Love this. Absolutely. So who do I want to be? That's your who.
1: Then your what is similarly open-ended. What do I want to do? There there you go, I mean, what do I want to go to the movies? I want to get a promotion. I want to wake up each day and feel happy with what i'm doing it It really it can vary, and you can answer that again in a million different ways,
0: right, and I love that because the question, What do I want to do often causes a lot of stress and anxiety because we're thinking of it as this huge thing. What do I want to do for a career? What do I want to do with my life? and I love the examples that you gave. It's I want to wake up happy, I want to have more laughter in my life. I want to, like you said, go to the movies or do more arts and crafts. So it doesn't have to be this big, huge thing, right? right? I love that.
1: And I think we can also use our when then to break that down because when you say, well, who do I want to be and what do I want to do? Are we talking in like today or, you know, six years from now? So, so that's why I asked the when, when do you want to do this? Because let's put a time frame on it. You can do some future goal planning that's your big picture for where you'd like to be 10 years down the road, or you can just focus on tomorrow. When do you want to do this? Then we ask the where, where does this take place? So we start focusing our actions. Are we in a professional setting? Are we in a personal setting? Is there something specific that we're thinking about? But it's really the two last questions that are the most important once you've determined mm. your who, what, when, and where. And it starts with why. Why is this important to me?
0: Yes. 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 This is, I love this. As you know, I'm all about purpose. And purpose doesn't have to be this big, huge P. But when you can get clear on why going to the movies matters to you, and it's like like you said, because that's where you're able to... Not multitask. You're able to just be, and you need a little being in your life. Then you're giving yourself that permission. You're also, I think, giving yourself a kind of pumping yourself up. It's and giving yourself a deeper meaning. It's beautiful. Yeah, and, and
1: the why really can be anything. You know, why I want to get a promotion at work because I I want to feel successful and make more money for my family is as good an answer as. Why I deserve to be happy, you know, so there's so many ways that you can use that why, but understanding how to define it is really the key to your success, as is that pesky H question, our how, because all of the W's here might create a goal or a plan or a vision, but it's nothing until you can ask the question, how am I going to accomplish this? So here's where people get all worried. Well, I don't know where to start. And that's where we go back to those micro actions. If your goal is just to be a happier person, then you really need to look at what's going to make you happier. Eating good chocolate, going to the movies and writing. Were are my three. If your goal is to get yourself promoted to the C-suite, okay. well, now we can really look at the how of what we're going to need to do to get there, how we're going to get there together. And from there, I say um, what I suggest is that's how we start creating the plot points that we will use to build that next chapter, because A goal without those plot points is really just just a dream. But I think these are great questions to ask of yourself with some regularity and see if you can answer them and also how that answer changes over time. I think the, the most important thing I want people to take away when they think about the story of their lives or the story they're creating is that you can change it whenever you want. And what I'm seeing is a lot of clients, women in their 40s and 50s and even 60s, who are willing now, they have the confidence and the background and the experience and the success and the disappointment to be able to say, I'm done with that chapter and I'm ready to start something new. And we all have that ability at any age to say I'm ready to turn the page now. And what I do with my workshops is I offer people the tools to do that, both with individual goal setting, but also within corporations. Because as I mentioned, it doesn't have to be about creating a new career and leaving your job and, you know, moving to a Caribbean island. Something big and dramatic. Yeah, it's, it's how we engage. And it's how we use our cast of supporting characters to create a story, and our narrator to create a storyline that brings us more joy and success and ownership and confidence in our own story. So I partner with corporations as well to make sure that the women have the skills and tools they need to succeed at
0: work. Oh, I, I love this so much. The work you're doing is incredible. When we think about any book that we love or a TED Talk that we love or if you've seen a motivational speaker or any podcast that you love, there always is this element of story and that it's the stories that people tell us that we remember and the stories of someone taking charge of their life, of not allowing external circumstances to take them down or to be the end of their book or their chapter, but rather that they have this ability to turn to the next page and create the story of their life those are the best stories, right? Those are the TED Talks we wanna watch. Those are the people that we admire. And so when you learn that you have that ability to turn the page and write the next chapter, right? Your story, any of our stories could end at any point, but it's a terrible story if you say, well, and then she was miserable in her marriage and the end. No, right? You turn the page and you wanna read the next chapter which is, and then she went to a relationship course and then she figured out what she wanted and then she got into her sensuality and sexuality. And then, right, so so we can write the next chapter and it's so empowering. And I know one of the things I notice when I'm interviewing someone, right? Someone can come with their big fancy resume, but I wanna hear what are the stories? Like, tell me how you've impacted other people before. Tell me how you've impacted other people businesses before, how you helped other people succeed or you got the win. And that's how we really know who you are and what you're all about. And so what you're doing, Valerie, is incredible. And I love that you're talking about the midlife point too, because that's a time when so many people have like that midlife crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And it's an opportunity to, I call it a midlife catalyst. And I think you have another name for it as well.
1: Yeah, I call it a midlife transformation. It's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. honey, I think I'm having a midlife crisis. Maybe I'm having a midlife transformation because it's a great opportunity to kind of take stock at, well, what's what's worked, what's not working and, and where do I want to go from here? And I want, to, I want to respond to one thing you said about turning the page on a story that has some some bad elements and actually almost flip that and say that, uh, you know what I call a story where everything has worked out perfectly all along? Mm. Boring. That's what I call yes. it. I call it boring. <laughs> yes. In it to, is. yes. in addition to this idea that the number one theme of stories that we react to is this triumph over adversity, the essential element of a good story, and you haven't seen a movie, watched a TV show or read a book that doesn't have this element, it's conflict. So if we love stories with conflict, we've never read or watched a story that doesn't have one. Why do we believe that that's not something that should be in our stories? I mean, think about it. I tell this story all the time in my workshops. Once upon a time, there was a fair maiden who wanted to meet a prince. And so she did. And they moved to the castle and lived happily ever after. It's oddly unsatisfying. We we want our stories to involve some struggle because then the payoff is bigger. So if we could stop looking at things that have happened in our story as things that have gone wrong, but as elements of conflict and dissatisfaction and envy and all these things that I call the unlikelies and that they're elements that we think are unlikely to help us, but Mm -hmm. actually use them as clues Clues to what's important to us and clues of what we want to avoid or move on from or incorporate. I say, notice what you notice, pay attention to what you pay attention to, and build that next chapter based on your past stories and just know that they don't define you. They set the scene for making the next story even better.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness, woman. I love this, love this, love this. It's so important. One of the things I always talk about is that every moment of our life has been for purpose. So the joy show you what you love, the challenges and pain and trauma show you your courage or give you a learning or give you strength or give you new wisdom that you can share with other people. And this idea that it's not that you are successful or a great mother, despite growing up with an alcoholic mother, as an example. It's that you are successful and a great mother because you grew up with the alcoholic mother and you learned the kind of mother you wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about Valerie when I say that. I'm just giving a generic example. (laughs) So it's so important that we take that ownership and that we say every moment of my life has gotten me here and it's the foundation in which I build. And now I'm gonna create my, what I call a pain to purpose story. So Valerie, this is so incredible. You have given us so much to look at in terms of why story matters to us, how to begin even knowing what we want the story of our lives to be with the who, what, when, where, why, how question. I love that. And with how to use story in order to A, be happier, B, be more successful, and C, create the kind of life that we want by turning the next page. This is writing the next chapter. This is absolutely incredible. So people can find you at commander in she and there are hyphens so the url for people to find you is what it's um
1: commander in she.com so commander hyphen in hyphen she.com is my website and you can see there the individual corporate and professional organization workshops i offer and you can follow my weekly blog there i blog about how storytelling impacts everything from career success to our internal narrator to negotiation networking all sorts of topics and you can also sign up up for my monthly newsletter. I am on um, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as Commander and she no hyphens. you should be able to find me there Commander and she and also on LinkedIn as well as Valerie J. Gordon for anyone who wants to connect on a more professional uh, level. But thank you Karen you know your positivity is so infectious that mm. it just it radiates off you and I um, I always enjoyed listening to you and certainly um, talking to you today. I just feel this great sense of you know really anything is possible.
0: Yes. Thank you, Valerie. I love, love, love that. So before I let you go and before all of you go, we've got to get a little purpose power play around with Valerie because she's so cool <laughs> and interesting. So I'm just going to ask you a couple of quick okay. questions, Valerie, and whatever's the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Mm-hmm. A book you've read recently that you love.
1: Oh, gosh. Um, It's a book written by my friend, Sean Elizabeth George. It's Our Struggles Have Purpose. She went through um, a a rare form of cancer and treatment, and uh, she wrote about that journey. But it's really about how anyone who struggles with anything can find purpose in the struggle. Um, Definitely look her up, Sean Elizabeth George.
0: Wow, exactly what we were just talking Mm -hmm. about. Perfect. I love it, love it, love it. Okay. Number two, when you were a little girl, What did you dream about being? Oh,
1: gosh. I wanted to be an Olympic athlete, which which was kind of funny because I actually had um, no real athletic talent. But what's interesting, and I tell the story in my workshops, it's that that early love of the Olympics um, and how I once videotaped on my family's VCR all of these um, up close and personals from the 1984 Olympics. How that memory of creating that tape actually led to my job at NBC Sports covering the Olympics. I was a production assistant way back in 1996 for the Atlanta Olympics. Um, Because of this detail of my story of remembering making this tape, I think that's how I got the job. So I never um, made it to the Olympics as an athlete, but I actually made it to the Olympics as a member of the production crew.
0: Yes, good job, (laughs) woman. So one of the things I think about when we think about what we wanted to be as little girls or little kids. It doesn't have to be exact one for one, right? It's not 100% the thing, but it's directional, right? It gets to that why question. And so like, what was it about the Olympics? And there was an excitement there for you. There was interest. And then that informed what you did later. Like for me, I wanted to be a professional cheerleader. Well, I can't do the splits or a cartwheel, but I found a way to be a professional cheerleader. So there's there's some why in there. And I love Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You are a cheerleader. I know, like how that that's amazing that can happen without the splits or a cartwheel. And any of you who want to teach me how to do a cartwheel, a million people have tried, you know, send me some YouTube videos, you know, we'll see if it works. And our last question is, what is your next chapter? So that's a great question.
1: My current chapter is very much about helping other women with their next chapters. I was able to uh, successfully pivot from uh, putting stories on TV to helping women better tell their stories for more success and satisfaction at work and in their lives. But I'm leaving the next chapters open. I think I was always of the mindset that you were working towards something in this professional climb. I don't think the story ends. I'm taking it one chapter at a time. This is what I'm doing for now. I'm getting comfortable with the fact that it's not yet written, but I also trust in my ability to know that I can turn the page whenever I want to craft a new chapter. So, so that's where I am right now. And for the next chapter, we will just have to wait and see. The story continues.
0: The story continues. I love that. Valerie, thank you so much. You have been incredible. I have learned so much. The the tools are incredibly simple and incredibly powerful. And I know that people out there are going to want to learn how to retell their story and work with you on doing that. I am telling you, ladies listening to this. The best way for you to have a great job interview is to learn how to tell a story. The best way for you to go on dates and find a partner you love is to learn how to tell the story. And the best way for you to be happy is to create the story of your life. This is not about lying or making up facts. It's learning how to tell the story of your life and how to write the next chapter. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Valerie, for all of your enthusiasm, your content, your brilliance, your ability to show us how to tell the story of our lives. For all of you out there, thank you for listening. You mean so much to me. I so appreciate you. So please, 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 if you liked this episode, and we hope that you did, please rate it, give us five stars, leave a review. More importantly, send this off to the women in your lives who need it. Send it off to your sisters, your friends, your colleagues. Have your whole office start to learn how to tell the stories. This is a huge movement in sales and in businesses to be able to tell the story in order to acquire customers and in order to improve customer satisfaction. And let's create this movement where we are empowering women to tell the story of their lives as the creator, as the heroine, as the joyful woman that she was born to be. And we're going to do that one woman at a time. Of course, if you are not yet getting the Purpose Girl newsletter, you want to go over to PurposeGirl.com, download your free Living on Purpose guide, as well as finding me on Instagram at Karen Rockhind, on LinkedIn at Karen Rockhind, and on Facebook at Coach Karen rockhind. As always, it's been such an honor to be with you. May you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.